One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze. Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Billy Kelleher from the Paul MEP for Ireland's South paid a visit over the weekend to that part of the world. Billy, I understand you got in as far as Lviv from where Fergal Keane was talking to us last week and there's a lot of people concentrated there because it's close to the border and a relatively safe place. You're back in Poland now. How, how, why, why did you want to feel you wanted to go there? Good morning, Billy. Good morning, PJ. Well, we were invited there. Um, my political grouping, Fianna Fáil, is also an affiliate party in the Ukraine. In fact, uh, President Zelensky's um, political party um, is the one that is affiliated. So um, they invited us over last week to go to the border first and to just to see, um, you know, the, the, the challenges. But when we actually got to the Polish border, they then asked, would we consider going across? And, um, you know, we did an assessment on the safety and the impact that it would have. And um, they assured us that, look, we would be able to go as far as Lviv and um, meet with the governor, meet with the mayor, just meet with uh, other political groupings. And uh, just to see firsthand the huge uh, suffering and trauma of people as they leave Ukraine and try to get across the border in Poland and in Slovakia and Hungary and elsewhere. So, I mean, it was for that purpose, PJ, we went in the first place. Mm. But then uh, we went a step further and actually went into the Ukraine uh, for um, all day yesterday. Yeah. Billy, you and I know each other a very long time. I can hear emotion in your voice. You've seen some tough things. Yeah, yeah PJ, I'll be honest. I mean, you, you would. Um, I saw, um, you know, a father saying goodbye to his... Um, a child with a profound disability yesterday, hugging his wife and his 12 or 13 year old daughter. Um, he took him to the border um, and he was going been obviously back because he's of a, of a fighting age. So he was going back to the front or at least not able to leave the Ukraine because young men aren't leaving the Ukraine. Um, it's mainly women um, children and elderly people, people with disability, standing for hours and hours and hours, days actually on the roads um, trying to get across the border into Poland. And um, it, it really is harrowing. And um, now they're very... Um, resilient and they're quite disciplined you know but uh, you can see the fear in their face you can see the concern and um, they're not agitated yet in the sense that you know it's not breaking down they're very structured but we need to do an awful lot more to get them across but yeah uh, pj it was harrowing uh, being truthful mm -hmm. and then you hear the stories of the of, of people that um you know have family and friends over there um who've lost loved ones and um you didn't realize that you no know, you know a couple of hundred miles of where uh, further east where we were you know is is a, is a war zone where um bombs are raining down yeah. on civilian targets and the russians really have um taken um this um uh, you know attack on civilians to a whole new level altogether it really is appalling yeah. even when we're told there's a corridor to get people out the bombing doesn't stop yes uh, we met the governor of um 
lived yesterday and he had informed us um, in advance of the most recent announcement that um, Maripool was effectively just being flattened. Um, he's He was talking to the governor there. Um, they provided a safe corridor and when the people were trying to flee, um, then bombs uh, started falling on the actual safe corridor. So they actually had to go back into the shelters again. And, um, you know, we may not be able to, or we, they may not be able to evacuate. And um, it certainly is going to be a major problem. But PJ, like, as the bombing intensifies as Russian aggression moved to a whole new level. They're now bombing civilian targets, communication targets, uh, factories, um, electricity installations, communications. They, you know, they're they're systematically destroying um, the Ukraine. You're going to have more and more people coming uh, to the eastern side and wanting to get into the European Union. There's a million and a half have crossed the borders already into the European Union, and um, you know the UN. Um, Commission on Refugees and others that are experts in this area say it could be multiples of that will arrive yeah. at the border. So we have to put some systems in place that we don't have yeah. elderly people standing. It's actually snowing here as I speak to you. Uh, not, not heavily, but it's very cold. It's minus one. Mm. And what, and, what um, can you know, we do, Billy? I mean, I don't know just we as individuals, but like this is literally a surge of people coming over the border to try to get into the EU, which is a safe place for them. But what do we do once they're there and we give them a, a bowl of soup and, and something to eat and maybe some clothes and painkillers and stuff, clothes for their children? What can we do for them then? Well, I think the first thing we have to do is get them out of the Ukraine faster. I mean, they're standing, uh, like there's, this twin, there's a 20-kilometer tailback of cars in one of the crossings that we saw yesterday. Uh, a five-kilometer uh, queue of people standing maybe three or four abreast, um, elderly people, people in wheelchairs, young kids being carried by their mums, their suitcases, standing on the side of the road. Uh, like what I believe we should do is we should allow them come into the European Union and then process them inside because they will feel safe once they're across the border. Their, their right. fear is that something will come down the road behind them, a Russian tank or um, a military aircraft uh, bombing or, you know, attacking them. That's the fear they have. So if they were in the European Union, we could then, um, you know, um, treat them, shelter them, uh, feed them, clothe them, uh, and then move them on to um, other areas for emergency accommodation and then disperse them to so homes eventually. A bit like, and it's, look, it's probably a very rough comparison, but a, a bit like what we do at Shannon Airport here when someone is going to America, we do all the processing on this side. In other words, you're saying let them across the border, let them in, and we'll do the processing just inside. Yes, I, I think that would be something that, um, I, in fact, we're doing a report here at the moment, uh, you know, just to ask that the European Commission might just look at that to support Poland. In fairness, Poland is doing wonderful work as a country mm. and as a community. You see NGOs, um, local government, national government, just uh, people just coming up helping in any way. But like we are now talking about potentially three or four million people on the move from Eastern Ukraine into Western Ukraine and wanting to cross the border, mm. and uh, we will have to put facilities in place. Otherwise, you'll have you know millions of people stuck, terrified for days and days and end. Young people and uh, you know many elderly people as well. Mm. You don't see young men at the borders. You just don't see them there. They yeah. um, are dropping their families or their families are going of their own volition. Yeah. While the young men are obviously back in the um, Eastern Ukraine on the on the front. It is nearly all women and children and like you say, elderly people, people with disabilities, people not able to fight. Yes. Billy. Yeah. We're, we're, we really are looking at, look, even if the war ended tomorrow, even if Putin decided to stop tomorrow, we're still facing a massive humanitarian crisis because unfortunately many of these people who fled, they don't have a home to go back to now because their home has been shelled. 
Yes, I mean, there's two things. I mean, if Putin decides to leave the Ukraine and go back into the the original borders, you know, you might have some chance of people actually going back to where they are. But, I mean, if he stays and holds the ground that he has, you know, many of these people will not want to go back into a new Russia uh, in the Ukraine. They will be fearful. They'll be terrified. Mm. And uh, plus the fact that... Um, Kharkiv is a city, uh, Mariupol is a city, from what I can gather and speaking to people who were actually there, um, you know, they've been devastated, they've been flattened, um, huge um, amounts of the cities destroyed from aerial bombardment, from artillery bombardment, into civilian targets, this is not strategic, this is just uh, displacing uh, people, Mariupol is about a quarter of a million people um, stuck there at the moment, so it really is... A, tra- a tragedy unfolding before our eyes. Billy, it almost seems a little unkind to discuss the, the, the cost of fuel at the pumps while this is ongoing for these misfortunate people. But what's happening over there is having a number of effects here, namely the fact that I drove through Douglas this morning to see 207 for a litre of, of unleaded petrol and 197 for a litre of standard unleaded. And there's no sign of it stopping. It's going inexorably towards and over the two euro for everything. Can we do anything about that? Well, I mean, if you look at the Ukraine, they're after running out of diesel in some of the pumps and um, when you were driving through the countryside uh, yesterday, you could see some places already closed and the military police out there keeping an eye on places that still have so that it's not, you know, there's not too many people calling to take what's left. Um yeah, I mean, food prices are going to... I, ca- I can't see how um, inflation can be kept at the target of 3 or 4% that we, we always like to talk about. Food prices are going to go uh, get very expensive. Uh, Ukraine, again, is the bedbasket in terms of wheat production, a lot of barley production. Um, that's going to have a, a profound impact across global commodity prices and then fuel on top of that, fertilizer prices as well. So all of these things are going to feed in uh, to the the cost of food to ordinary families in Ireland and that is going to be a very significant challenge like fertilizer for example is made by gas primarily nitrogen uh, is used mm. is, is turned into fertilizer um, it is very expensive already but um this war will make um, it even more expensive because we will be embargoing obviously russian gas and um then you will have a the dual aspect of no planting probably of crops and the ukraine this year i saw a lot of the ground being plowed or had just been ploughed, mm. that would have been ready for spring uh, planting in the Ukraine. It's a massive country, PJ. I mean, I was only in a tiny part of it. Yeah. It's a 1,000 miles from east to west, a 1,000 miles, it's 500 miles from north to south. It's, it's a huge country. Mm. And, um, you know, they won't be crop planting this year uh, yeah. in many parts of it. In my it's so it's going to happen. Is it time, uh, Billy, and, uh, you know, your, your own party is in government here at home, is it time for just to take the pressure off ordinary families, like you say here at home, is it time to start thinking very seriously about the nearly a euro that is taken in VAT and excise from every litre of fuel? Well, I mean, clearly they're going to have to do some assessment on that. I mean, it, it is, it is um, you know, obviously inflating the price as well on top of the, the market price out there. I mean, there was a rebate for electricity bills there mm. that, that will be coming out over the next number of years. But certainly fuel, particularly for families that are in rural areas that are traveling long distances to and from school, to and from work, that is going to be a significant additional cost. You can sense it already. I mean, you're filling your car now. It's 120, 130 It's demented. Euros. It's demented. Uh, but you, you could slash. Not, not, not the, the government could slash excise duty. If they wanted to, couldn't they? Just like that. Well, I mean, a, a government could, uh, a government could, but I mean, the difficulty here, PJ, is and, and and the concern is like that. You know, you you, you cut it, um, 
you know, is, is it for everybody that you cut it or is it just for those that are using uh, large amounts of it? Why not for everybody? For those that are Why not just do it for everybody well, for a I few mean, months? Yes, I mean, it's something that should be looked at in terms of, you know, if we can keep it at a reasonable um, level. But I mean, this could hit 220. Yeah, that's uh, very, the point. Uh, that's the exact point I'm making. And the excise is a fixed rate. It's presently around 60 cents per litre. You have a fixed yes, rate that so is okay. there at the, in the gift of Pascal Dunahoo and Michael McGrath to cut just like that. They could do it if they want to. Well, well, certainly it's it's a decision that governments could make. Um, they have ruled it out today, but I mean, we are now in a totally new space in terms of um, sanctions on Russia, uh, the loss of Russian gas, the loss of Russian oil, the spike in oil prices across the globe, electricity costs going through the going, you know, extraordinarily high. So, you know, all of these things will have to be looked at in the round. If you were, at, if you were at a parliamentary party meeting and they were thinking about it, what would you say? Well, I certainly would be advocating for, uh, you know, uh, working families uh, and for those that are using cars, um, you know, through and from work and long distances, that there's possibility of some rebating system that could be put in place. All right, Billy, leave it there. Thank you for joining us. From Poland, that's uh, Billy Kelleher, Fianna Fáil MEP. Courts 96 FM.